Where are you going? Uh, well, I'm, I'm getting out of town. I'm going to visit Madeline for the weekend. You know, this place is looking kind of messy. What happened to Cindy? Uh, she's here. She just didn't get around to it. Oh. Hi, Kramer. Thanks, Jerry. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's the matter? What did I just pay for? Uh-oh. You're a John. But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, guys? You're with Ibone. Ibone. <laughs> and S-Bone. Ibone. Did you know that? <laughs> I didn't, and I don't want to know that. No. Is this your suicide talk, Stephen, or your uh, nickname talk? <laughs> S-Bone. S-Bone. What about T-Bone? Yeah, what about T-Bone? For tofu bone. You don't have a T. Actually, you have a T in your name. I you do. can be T-Bone. I've got uh, a T in my surname as well as my first name, so yes. it works Works times two. <laughs> two T-Bone. T-Bone two. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Well, we're eating T-Bone, and we're getting our maids to clean up for for us, because this is But I Don't Want to Be, a secondary character for another week of shenanigans. And this week, Stephen, we're going all the way to Season 9 to the third last episode, The Maid. That's right. Third last ever episode of Seinfeld. That's right. And I can't believe it, Stephen. Like, when I was watching it, because I mentioned last week that I haven't watched this episode for years, right? Same, same. Yeah, same. And I was like, I was watching the first scene, and I was like, this is the T-Bone episode. Yeah. This is the one. Like, yep. oh, T-Bone. T-Bone, T-Bone, T-Bone. Coco, Coco, Coco. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is the episode. I totally forgot about it. Yeah, I remembered Lovely. snippets from it, but Lovely. I didn't remember the whole episode. Ah, oh, I was wrapped. Uh, I was like, yes. Yeah, and it was really good. And the episode was way better than I expected. Like, same, same. I thought, you know, with season nine, a lot of it's like miss, but there's a few hits in there as well, and yep. I thought maybe it's one of those because, you know, it, it's comes out after The Frogger, which is a very good episode. But then it's before The Puerto Rican Day, which I didn't really like. No. It's one of my least favourite ones that we've done so far. But The Maid, I was really surprised. I was quite happy with it. Yeah. Quite no, good uh, subplots. No, it didn't feel yeah. too zany. It felt like an older episode. Yeah. This could have comfortably fit in season four, five, six, seven, probably even two or three, really. Yeah. Because um, nothing is too wacky. I mean, it's got a wacky Kramer plot where he faxes menus to Elaine's, to Elaine's house, <laughs> you know, uh... Seinfeld's diddling the maid. Uh, you know, Scott Kruger, who's obsessed with nicknames. Yeah, yeah. And George being the victim of, of many unfortunate <laughs> nicknames. Nothing was too outlandish, no, which is no. which is which typifies season nine. A yeah. lot of episodes in season nine. So I think that's why it was I really liked it, because it wasn't too ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it was it was still Yeah, it just it felt like an older episode. Just, yeah, I was in the corner of the first and first. I must be the nexus of the universe. I must be the nexus of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> and today we've got um, plenty of secondary characters, actually. Uh, we've got Cindy the Maid, who we're going to talk about. Uh, also Watkins, who's the actual T-Bone. <laughs> that he the gets, real T-Bone. He anointed as, yes. Uh, Maxwell, the Maid Pimp. Uh, Coco Higgins. Uh, I've also got notes on Bobby, the unseen child, uh, you know, who calls Gammy. Yep, and I've got a uh, a few notes on Kramer's girlfriend uh, in the show. You never see her. Uh, yeah, the off screen off screen character Madeline. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And yep. uh, a few other miscellaneous characters as well. Indeed, as we always do. If you want to send us an email, it's very good to be back for season five, and we'd love to hear what you've thought of last week's the Chinese restaurant and also this week's episode. Send us an email, bidwabaskpodcast at gmail dot com. And Stephen, where can you find us on social media? You can find us uh, at bidwabask b i w b i d w b a s c on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, and you can also find us on Patreon if you want to check us out there uh, and we have a website com. yeah that's right so Stephen let's get back into the news anchor desk and uh, or the news desk whatever the hell you want to call it these days and let's do some Seinfeld news shall we sounds good Okay, the first bit of news. Uh, starting off on a positive uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus the much-loved Julie Louis-Dreyfus <laughs> we both Worship the ground she uh, walks on. I think we've already mentioned that several times, but several you know, I'm times. not afraid to mention that again. No, no. She, you can't praise her enough as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> nope. Uh, she recently won the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. I did mention it back in season four. I believe she was nominated maybe June, July, August, and I do me- remember mentioning it then in uh, Seinfeld News. Uh, but the ceremony was in late October at the John F. Kennedy Center for, for, for Performing Arts. Uh-huh. For Performing Arts. For Performing Arts, yes. For Performing Arts. <laughs> it's uh, a hard one to say. <laughs> very much so. For Performing Arts. For Performing Arts. Yes. Okay, I've got it right. Moving on. <laughs> uh, and she was awarded the prize uh, in what was a really, really awesome ceremony. You can check it out on YouTube. 
um, and she delivers a really, really awesome speech. So a nice sort of ending to what has been a tumultuous year for her. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, as we mentioned several times. Yeah, yep. so her half-sister passed away mm-hmm. a little while ago. We mentioned that last week. Yep, yep. and uh, she got the unfortunate news of breast cancer in September last year after her Emmy win, uh, but she was also uh, she's also filming the last season of Veep as well as this award. So a roller coaster year for her. Yes, but it's looking up for her now. Definitely. Which is good. I, yep. Yeah, and I hope things uh, continue on the up and up for her. Indeed. Uh, now, occasionally, Bidwabask, we hear at Bidwabask, get a bit seedy, get a bit tabloidy. In the H.E. Pennypacker studios, it can get pretty uh, pretty steamy in here. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I wouldn't say steamy, just a bit, a bit tabloidy. Yeah, a bit, we do. You know, a bit, a bit lowbrow. TMZ. Yeah. Yeah, TMZ. That's TMB. right. TMB. TMB. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and sometimes we... I, I tend to to not include the, the shitty tabloidy news, like, you know, this person's in a relationship with that relationship, because it's mostly unfactual unsubstantiated garbage but uh what I have just, you got i decided to include this one because I, I felt like getting a bit seedy this week okay <laughs> jeez getting a bit hot under the collar yeah oh boy it is quite muggy mm, so sultry <laughs> uh so there's been some tabloid speculation through the week that larry da- david's daughter her name's cassie david oh yeah is uh now dating john mayer oh yep so uh, it was reported in a number of tabloids, uh, not substantiated, again, by verifiable or reliable <laughs> sources. Um, however, Gossip Cop, which is kind of a... It, it's a tabloid that seems to want to discredit other tabloids. It's a weird, it's a weird, weird, weird site. Yep. Gossip Cop, uh, they checked with a quote-unquote close source, which they always do. Yeah, like a pal or a buddy. Or, or a buddy or an know, insider. Something. Someone anything. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone close to the actress. <laughs> something like that. Uh, to yeah. check if the rumours were true, whether John Mayer was dating Cassie David. Turns out they're not. Okay. So, a tabloid reported a lie, and then a tabloid who's seeming, seemingly has self-appointed itself to to discredit the lies of other tabloids, but is also a tabloid, has discredited what is a lie. So uh, That's too confusing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it makes sense in 2018. Yeah. You know, lies being discredited by uh, a site that lies. It's it's all a bit weird. <laughs> so, Cassie David is apparently not dating John Mayer. Okay. Uh, for any updates on that fake relationship that may or may not be true, who yeah. knows, yeah. Uh, I'll uh, provide them to you Jeez. accordingly. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, for the last bit of Seinfeld news this week, uh, it's been announced that Jason Alexander will direct... A season of the last five years, which is a stage performance. Uh, it's playing at the Syracuse stage from May 29 next year until June 16. Oh, lovely. Uh, the musical follows a couple, uh, novelist Jamie and struggling actor Kathy, uh, as they examine their five-year relationship. The former tells his story in chronological order, while Kathy begins with their split. Uh, you can head to SyracuseStage.com for all of the details. Nice. Uh, and I believe tickets go on sale in uh, early December. Because Jason has had quite a prolific uh, career in theatre. I think he won a Tony Award. I'm pretty sure. the 80s or the 90s or something? Yeah, he definitely has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's done pretty well. Yeah, I'm not too sure what for. No, I forgot what it was. Yeah, but his, mm. his, his theatre... Uh, career is just as successful as his TV career. Oh, of course it is, yeah. So, so, yeah. It's good to see. For sure, for sure. Excellent. Uh, and that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, Stephen. Thank you very much for that, mate, as always. Uh, I reckon we should take a really quick break because we are talking about episode 19 from season 9, which is The Maid, and uh, it's quite a hefty episode synopsis, as most of the season 9 ones are. So there's a lot for me to read. So A lot of moving parts. Yeah, I'm going to, like, have a breather and, uh, you know, chill out for a bit, and uh, we'll come back after this break, and uh, we'll get straight into the episode and its secondary characters and some trivia and uh, later on we got Seinfeldisms and Seinfeld trivia for the week so there's plenty happening we can't wait from Mongolia to Melbourne you're on Bidwabask (laughs) (laughs) guess what folks we're now on Patreon yes we are that's right. So for $1 a month, you get early access to new Bidwabask episodes, which is really exciting. And uh, you also get the occasional thank you for supporting two Seinfeld fans from Down Under. That's right. If you want a, uh, a shout out on the podcast uh, and in our episode notes, uh, for $1 a month plus the early access, uh, that's what you get. That's right. For $2 a month, you get all that, plus you get access to Season 10. It's our new Patreon exclusive podcast where we uh, hypothesize the hypothetical season 10 of Seinfeld and we come up with episodes and plots and new and old secondary characters. That's right. We have already released uh, the prologue, which is 
the preseason, I guess you could say, uh, which details the 20 years between 1998 when they went to prison and uh, 2018 uh, and, and the lives and what's happened in that 20-year gap for the Core 4 as well as a couple of other characters. Yep. And uh, the first episode of Season 10, uh, which will be released soon on Patreon, uh, will start from 2018, where they are now, and uh, for the next sort of 20-odd episodes, like a normal season of Seinfeld. And that's right. And we do have more tiers as well, so go to patreon.com forward slash bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C, for more information and to uh, subscribe and support us. Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. This week we are talking about The Maid, and uh, Ivan's going to take you through an episode synopsis. I sure will, yes. So, uh, The Maid is episode 19 of season 9, and the third last episode, uh, would you believe it, not including the clip shows. The third last proper episode. Proper episode, indeed, yes. First aired in the US, April 30, 1998. That was the day after my 10th birthday. Wow. <laughs> I was born April 29. There you go. How old were you when you first saw Seinfeld? Do you remember? Uh, I Even was generally? Pro- I was probably about eight, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So when it was first airing? Yeah, when it was first airing. Yeah, I'm, my dad used to watch it. Uh, and then, like, I loved it because of Kramer. Yeah. You know, I didn't get... You know the jokes. Yeah, seeing Kramer fall over and stuff—that was my uh, well, yeah, that was his, my initiation to the show. Yeah, well, yeah. his physical comedy would make kids laugh. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Huh. And it was on Channel Ten, and you know, yeah, it was really popular you couldn't really avoid it. No, you couldn't. And if you watched The Simpsons as a kid, all you had to do was not turn the TV <laughs> off, and then Seinfeld would turn up. So exactly, it used to be the best. It used to be like six o'clock was The Simpsons, mm-hmm. six thirty was Neighbors, mm-hmm. seven was Seinfeld. Seinfeld yep. Yeah, an hour and a half, golden television, golden, hour and a half, yeah. right there. The nineties were fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was directed by Andy Ackman and written by. Alec Berg, David Mandel, Jeff Schaefer, Kit Boss, and Peter Melman. Every, <sighs> everyone but Jerry and Larry. Pretty much. Well, obviously, Larry wasn't involved until the finale. True. So doesn't, yeah, that makes sense. So here we go. Jerry hires a maid named Cindy, played by Angela Featherstone, with whom he then starts sleeping with. Elaine discovers she has 57 messages on her answering machine when Kramer attempts to send her a fax. George tries to get a nickname, T-Bone, but a co-worker gets it instead. He tries reasoning with the new T-Bone to get the nickname. When he walks into the meeting room carrying a banana, his boss nicknames him Coco, since George was flailing around like a monkey when he was talking to the new, the new T-Bone. I, I will say. now be known as Coco the Monkey. Coco, yeah! I love how seamless that is. Yeah, he's like, Coco, yeah, Kruger's like, Coco the Monkey. Coco, Coco, Coco. Can't have two Cocos. No, we can't have two Cocos. <laughs> what do you mean about my gammy? What do you say about my gammy? <laughs> <laughs> the episode also featured the New York area code 646, which turns out to be real. Uh, when the 212 area code ran out of numbers, 646 was created. Uh, Kramer signs up to receive restaurant menus by fax with a service called Now We're Cooking. Now We're Cooking. But it's uses, a play on words, you see. Yeah, it is, yes. Uh, but uses Elaine's phone number, mistakenly thinking she had a fax machine. Annoyed by the non-stop calls from the fax service, Elaine changes her phone number and gets one with a 646 area code. She's not happy with the new number, but she could because, rather, she believes the area code makes it too long to dial. <laughs> I love how she's trying to chat up the guy and gives him the number. Do I have to dial a 1 in front of this? What's this for? Is this, uh, is this for a different area? Is yeah, this for Jersey? Is this a New Jersey? No, no, it's right here in the city. Do I have to dial a 1 in front of it? Uh, I'm seeing somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so am I. <laughs> I love her. I love her trying to explain the, the area code. She's like, see, they just multiplied it by 3. And, and then they added, added one, one to the to middle, the middle number. number. Yeah. <laughs> she realises that it's not that simple. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> she's not happy with the new number because, as I mentioned, she believes the area code makes it too long to dial. She's proved correct when attempting to give her number to a man in the park. Initially eager, he hesitates when he sees the 646 area code and asks if it's in New Jersey. Um, he makes an excuse and walks off. When her neighbour, Mrs. Krantz, dies, Elaine manages to get her old number back. I mean, um, Mrs. Krantz's old number, I should say. Uh, Mrs. Krantz's grandson, Bobby, keeps calling Elaine's apartment, ignorant of the fact that his grandmother is dead. Uh, yeah, you mean his I, parents haven't told him yet? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, buried over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, Some, sometimes Gammy wakes up late. Sometimes she's not alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gammy's dying. Don't call again. <laughs> Nine one. I love her. I love her. Like, yeah, okay, that'll do. Yeah, that'll do. like, yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, problem solved. And then Bobby's like, nine, one, one. <laughs> uh, Lane tries to convince Bobby that his grandmother's died by pretending to die herself. This backfires when Bobby, as I mentioned, dials 911. And firefighters beat down Elaine's door. I love Elaine's scream when they come in. Mm. Don't worry, Gammy, we'll save you. Ah! <laughs> yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Kramer's girlfriend moves downtown, leading him to struggle with the drawbacks of a long-distance relationship. Meanwhile, Jerry begins to realise that because of their relationship, Cindy is no longer doing any work. But he's still paying her, which leads Kramer to comment, uh-oh, you're a jar. What did I just pay for? Oh, 
Oh, oh, oh, you're, you're a, a John. John. Yes. <laughs> when Jerry confronts Cindy, she walks out on the job and the relationship. <laughs> I love, what does he say? He's like, you're something and you're fired. Yeah. Oh, no, we're through and you're fired. We're through and you're fired. And you're fired. Even though she just dumped him yeah. and, and told her to not uh, told him to not employ her anymore. Yeah. Where have you been? At a rodeo. <laughs> Jerry later meets Cindy's boss, Maxwell, a parody of a pimp who threateningly tells him that if he doesn't get the money from Jerry, he'll get it from Cindy. Meanwhile, Kramer breaks up with Madeline when she refuses to move, and he gets lost in the Lower East Side. Up in the corner of First and First. This must be the nexus of the universe. The nexus. How can the same street intersect with itself? Intersect with itself. must be the nexus of the universe. <laughs> are you at the original? No. Are you at the, the new Rays? Or whatever it is, the Rays Pizza? The famous Rays? Where are you? Yeah, famous Rays. Famous original original Rays. Rays? No, original no, Rays. Just yeah. famous Rays. Apparently that's a thing in NYC. There's a whole bunch of different Ray's pizzas. Some are called original Ray's. Some are called famous originals. Some are called famous. But no one really knows which one was the first... Uh, which one was the original? Like, it's all just a big shit fight and a big <laughs> mess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that an Easter egg when you did um, uh, you did Seinfeld News, I think, last season? There was, like, the Spider-Man video game, and one of the references yeah. was he gets lost in the phone booth, yep. and he's on the corner of First and First, and it's yeah. like, are you, which race yeah, are you yeah, at? Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was a reference in the, the video game. Yeah, yeah the new Spider-Man. Yeah. Was, is it Spider-Man? Spider- is it just called Spider-Man? Marvel Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Marvel Spider-Man. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. So good. Yep. Um, so when Jerry goes to pick him up, he spots Cindy and slows down to give her money. Unfortunately, a cop mistakes him, mistakes them for a prostitute and a John. <laughs> You're looking for a good time? Sicky. <laughs> Later, a lost Kramer is approached by Maxwell, played by Anthony Crivello, and is talking to a maid job, joking about the similarities between the scene and Kramer being approached by a pimp. During the credits, George purposely hires a woman named Coco as vice president of acquisitions. Kruger states there should be no two Cocos, and George goes back to being George, much to his satisfaction. As Kruger begins to talk about removing a stain, Coco mentions her Gammy when she was in Jamaica, but George interrupts her, saying no one cares about it. As Kruger wonders who Gammy is, and saying there should be one, he decides to give George the nickname Gammy, <laughs> as everyone, including Coco, eagerly chants, Gammy, She Gammy, initiates the chant. Gammy, if you watch it carefully, yeah. she's the first person to go, she's Gammy, Gammy. And then everyone else joins in on the second Gammy. Yeah. And then George says, Gammy is getting upset. That's such a good way to end the end the episode. Perfect, I know. Yeah. Other secondaries include Marcus Flanagan, he plays Charles. Steve Franken plays Brendan. Anthony Mangano is the fireman. Madeline is Kramer's off-screen girlfriend. Uh, and also Chip Chinnery and Colin McLean are George's co-workers. I didn't get the names of the phone guys. Uh, they're just the credited as phone guy one and two. Yeah, I forgot their uh, I always check the things. scripts because sometimes they'll have the, the names of the characters yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the scripts and they're just phone guy one and phone guy two. Nice. That was a huge synopsis. It was. One of the longest <laughs> ones. I think so. Uh, I think I think it was almost as long as the checks. I think that one was really. Yeah, I did that one. And I was like, oh my god, so much going on. Yeah, you got some trivia for this week. Yeah, so first bit of trivia: this episode was originally supposed to be titled "The Long Distance Relationship." Mm, that's right, referring yeah. to Kramer and Madeline's relationship. It's only a ten-minute ride on the subway <laughs> downtown New York. But I can, I, I, I empathise in a way with Kramer. Like I, I live on the north side of here in Melbourne, and uh, before my current girlfriend who lives with me, uh, I used to date someone who lived on the south side, and it felt like I was dating someone who lived in bloody Geelong. Or, yeah, right, you know, which is yeah. two hours away. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing how a different part of town feels like a long distance relationship I know. when they're not on your side of town or you've got to cross a river or maybe it's like when you've got to cross like a major landmark or a river or some sort of natural it feels like you're at the nexus of the universe yeah it feels like you're at the nexus of the universe <laughs> yeah. i don't know and i guess melbourne as well is so neighborhood based like every, you know all the little neighborhoods are so insular that anything outside of that may as well be in bloody you know sydney which mm. is 12 hours north of here yeah i know <laughs> yeah so have you got any trivia oh yeah quite a few actually um kramer tells jerry from the intersection of first street and first avenue which he describes as the nexus of the universe as we mentioned uh this really inspired the opening of the Nexus Lounge yeah. in New York. Yeah, it's a venue. It's a venue, yes. I'm pretty sure it's a, a live venue mm. or a bar or something like that. Yes, yes. So that'd be an awesome Seinfeldism to go there if it still exists. It I does, mean, this is yes. this is what, 21 years ago? Yeah. Oh, sorry, 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, uh, like we mentioned before, Kramer, in that scene, Kramer mentions that there's an original Ray's pizza, uh, and Jerry asks if he's actually referring to famous Ray's or famous original Ray's pizza. Um, but at the time of filming, there was a famous original Ray's pizza. It was at 195 East Houston, East Houston Street. Yeah. Uh, visible from Kramer's viewpoint, but it was closed down in 2015. So, oh, a nice real-life reference there. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. And I love how Seinfeld has those real-life references yeah. to, like, food and brands and 
Yeah. Enough. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It makes it more realistic. George also mentions eating an ostrich burger in the previous episode, The Frogger. And when Jerry's line, or Jerry says, stay alive to Kramer. Stay alive. No matter what occurs, I will find you. And then Kramer screams, ah. Um, <laughs> is from the film The Last of the Mohicans, released in 1992. Great film. Yeah. I've, yep. I've heard. Uh, so when Cindy tells George that one of the girls in the maid service, uh, she works at his name Coco, she mentions, that girl's all right, which is a weird line because it's sort of just... Not really related to anything. Yeah. But it's actually a reference to the dealership, an earlier episode in season nine. Yeah, cool. Uh, where Jerry and Putty discuss Coco, uh, the gorilla uh, yep. that Jerry and Kruger refer to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the gorilla is a real life gorilla, or was, I think. Coco's yeah, he was. Co- Co- yeah, it's, he's Coco dead. Died. I think he's dead. I think Recently. Coco the gorilla, I think it was, might have been a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Coco the gorilla was a gorilla who they were able to, I think, to do it was able language. to interpret sign language. Yeah, that's right. I'm pretty sure she was in the first. Oh, yeah, it was a, it was a female, yeah. Yeah, Coco. I'm pretty sure yeah. she was in the first, uh, the first of the new Planet of the Apes film. Oh, like, okay. You know the big orangutan that right. does sign language? Was it a orangutan? I thought it was a gorilla. Oh, no, Coco. it was a gorilla. Coco yeah. was a gorilla. Well, there was sure. there was a monkey, some sort of monkey in that. Who did sign language. Who did sign language. Maybe it was, I think, but I'm pretty sure it was a giant orangutan. But I'm pretty sure Coco was like a pioneering, yeah. you know, gorilla yeah. who could do sign language. For sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the, the line that I mentioned that the girls are right is actually referring to uh, Jerry and Putty, where Putty, in, in the dealership, where Putty says, that chimp's all right. Yeah, that so chimp's all right. Nice little reference. Very indeed. Uh, a couple more bits of trivia that I have. Originally, Madeline, he, she was mentioned to be in the Frogger. Oh, okay. So, in the deleted storyline, Kramer was to meet her as he came out of the men's room at Monk's. While he was taken with her, she was not into him. Eventually, he successfully lured her into a restaurant by marking a restricted path with his yellow caution police tape that he had <laughs> in the Frogger. So, I like that. There you go. Yep. Anything else? Uh, yeah. So, you mentioned before the closing line for this episode is George yelling into the sky, Gammy is getting upset. Yeah. Uh, this is actually a reference to the Jimmy and the, the numerous other times where George refers to himself in uh, third person. His, his classic mm-hmm. line is, George is getting upset. George is getting upset. I think he says it maybe in four or five other episodes. George likes his chicken spicy. <laughs> <laughs> and finally for me, uh, Kramer is asked if he knows how to use a mop ringer by uh, Maxwell the Pimp. Uh, in the movie UHF, released in 1989, a then little-known Michael Richards, he plays a character called Stanley Spadowski. Uh, he's a janitor who has a close attachment to a very special mop. Another nice reference. Yeah. So the last bit of trivia that I have is that uh, Mr. Kruger was only supposed to appear in one episode. So his first appearance is in uh, the seventh season. Sorry, the seventh episode of season nine, which is The Slicer. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that's with the, uh, the family portrait. And, the, and that's where George photobombs yep. his uh, family photo. That's right. Yeah, yeah, but because he yeah. was so liked by the cast and as a character, he was uh, made a recurring character and he appears in four episodes, including this one. Nice. And uh, we discussed before we were recording that uh, we recorded that we'll probably do him as a what's the deal at some point in the future. I think we should do Mr. Kruger, um, like we'll talk about him and maybe George's other boss from, yeah. was it Playland? You know, that, uh, that, 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 yeah, toy, yeah, yeah. that toy company? Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about him too. Kind of like how we've done uh, Elaine's bosses. And, and also the one who, who hired him for the Penske file. Yes. Yeah, we've got to do that. For sure, too. for sure. For sure. That'd yep. be awesome. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that's all my trivia as well. Uh, should we get into the secondary characters? Sounds good. What we're famous for here at Bidmubask. So, first of all, let's talk about Cindy the Maid. She's played by Canadian actress Angela Featherstone, known for appearing in Friends as the character Chloe, and also appeared in The Wedding Singer as Adam Sandler's fiancée Linda. Yes. Yes. She's also appeared in the film Con Air and in episodes of TV shows such as Girls and Ray Donovan. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is also a writer and a teacher. Uh, she's written sitcoms for Sony, DreamWorks, NBC, oh, um, nice. as well as a bunch of non-fiction work for Time, nice. Jane Flair, Huffington Post, and a whole bunch more. Gee, she's done a lot. Talented woman. Very talented indeed. But not quite talented in terms of her maid services, Cindy. Well, well yeah, she was she, originally. She could be a good yeah. cleaner. I yeah. think she's just uh, slacking off. She's a bit too relaxed when she's around at Jerry's. When she's around Jerry, yeah. Dick's I mean, too good. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, she's, yeah. She's getting her pipes cleaned. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's not go down that path. Actually, she would be cleaning Jerry's pipes. Maybe that's how she sees it. That's how she justifies it. Uh, I cleaned your pipes. Uh, what did I just pay for? Cleaned your pipes. I cleaned your pipes. <laughs> oh, yuck. Um, yeah, so, like, so she becomes pretty complacent. Like, so, because Jerry mentions at the start of the episode that she wants to become an actress or a newswoman, this or this or a newswoman. Actress, or model, dancer or a newswoman. Or a newswoman, something in the creative field. So, clearly, Cindy, you know, she's just doing it to get by. Yeah. But um, so obviously her heart isn't really set into doing like cleaning and stuff. And, you know, when she dates Jerry and escalates it, you know, they become more than friends. She uh, drops all the maid stuff. Yeah. I think uh, she, yeah, you're right. Her heart's not in it. 
she has uh, greater aspirations than cleaning people's apartments for mm-hmm. 40 bucks a pop. Yeah. Um, and I think she just gets a bit too comfortable with Jerry. And I, th- I, th- yeah, I think she assumes yeah. that because, you know, maybe maybe the sex is good. Maybe Jerry and her have a good time, even though they're just, you know, having sex at his apartment and occasionally going out for cleaning supplies. Maybe she's got a French maid outfit in the cupboard that she puts on, yeah. you know, to pretend to be the maid. Yeah. And I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe uh, maybe she's developing feelings for Jerry or maybe, maybe Jerry yeah. has implied or she's interpreted something that he's done as him interpreting uh, him developing feelings for her. Which would I would understand if this were a real life situation would lead to complacency because you would feel really comfortable yeah. with the person yeah. in their home, and uh, not that it excuses her, you know, not doing her job, but uh, you know, emotions and feelings can complicate what is, you know, should just be a simple business situation. It sure can, and clearly she is a struggling creative person because you know even in those situations where, you know, she doesn't do any work, she still takes the money. Yeah. So, you know, she, it's not like she has dignity and she's like, oh, no, I didn't do much work. I yeah. feel kind of bad. She's like, oh, I'll take it. Yeah. So, she, she must be struggling financially. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I would assume that when she's not cleaning, she would spend most of her time going to auditions, to dance classes, yeah. just anything to further her career, probably a lot of networking events. Yeah. The thought occurred to me as well and might be a bit cynical because mm-hmm. um, I like her as a character. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't come across as uh, manipulative or opportunistic, but maybe... Part of her motivation is that, you know, Jerry's pretty successful in entertainment. Maybe she sees him as some sort of stepping stone to that world. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, right. he would have a lot of access to, to, to you know, with his previous dealings with NBC, um, you know, a lot of producers. You so know, you think maybe. she's kind of using, not using him, but uh, kind of being with him to try and get into the industry? I don't do think, think that is her sole motivation. I think she enjoys the time that they spend together. Yeah. Because, um, you know, she clearly does. She's, you know, she she has genuine affection for him and the way they communicate is very nice and, and pleasant. But I think she just, she sees that as a potential benefit of what they have together. You know, she, she realizes that that could be something he could help her out with. But I don't think, I don't, I'm not so cynical, I wouldn't be so cynical as to say that that is her prime motivation and she's just using him purely to to you know to to leverage off his his standing in in comedy and entertainment yeah cool yeah uh originally i assumed as well based on her accent because when you listen to some of her words she's got quite a thick new york accent yeah so i think she was born and raised in new york yeah yeah i think so too yeah i think if she was born in a smaller town she would have moved to new york anyway because you know if you want to make it in america it's sort of like chicago new york la yeah the big cities maybe miami maybe seattle yeah but uh new york and la specifically yeah um and if she wants to be you know a newswoman model actor that's where that's That's where you you gotta be be. you gotta compete with all those people and uh hopefully you get a gig that'll land you a good uh Good salary and, uh, you know, good experience, I For guess. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was a bit surprised by... Well, initially I was a bit surprised at how reactionary to she was when Jerry sort of pulled her up and basically... You know, because Jerry wasn't trying to be rude. He sort of basically said, look, I'm paying you money. Yeah, of course. Even though we've slept together and it's been a nice time today. And then he says, oh, so you think I'm some kind of prostitute? Yeah. And he's and like, he's whoa, just, he's just whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's whoa. keep this sophisticated. Let's keep this sophisticated. Yeah. And in that situation, I kind of agree with him because he doesn't say anything. He doesn't imply anything. He's sort of just saying like... Hey, I've paid you to do a job, regardless of what we're doing. Yeah. You haven't done anything. Why am I paying you? Like, if you'd come over and not done anything, fine. Like, you know, we're both, they're both responsible for that in that, in that interaction. But it's a bit rude for her to just take his money and then get offended when Jerry's like, hey. And then Jerry, yeah. And then Jerry's like, oh, but you didn't do anything. And she goes, I made the bed. Yeah. And then he's like, but you took a nap in it. Yeah. Was that the girlfriend? (laughs) Was that the girlfriend taking a nap on the maid? Yeah. Uh, The girlfriend. Yeah. So yeah, forty dollars is a bit steep for now. <laughs> you know what? And just straight away, she's like, "You know what? I don't want to see you anymore. Yeah. Don't ever, don't ever call me or employ me again." Straight away, just like goes, "No, I'm done with well, you." Well, I guess the old adage is, is true. You know, don't mix business with pleasure. Yeah, simple as that. For or, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. That made me realize that because she doesn't seemingly take any shit, even though Jerry's not giving her shit, she interprets it as an insult. Yeah. Which I can understand. You know, uh, being implied to be a sex worker could be sensitive for a lot of people. Of course, yeah, because you know, there is a lot of shame. Even in this day and age, there is still a lot of shame attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it's considered like a, a job that people would keep private or not want to broadcast. Um, so you know, for a young woman in New York, if and it probably ties into her emotionally as well. Of like, you know, unfortunately, a lot of actresses are subjected to you know, the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. So I'm sure she's been subject subjected to, you know, a lot of like creepy producers and stuff while she's trying to make it. So maybe it sort of rings a bell in that way for her. That whole like, you know, I'm I'm not going to, you know, do favours to get ahead. You know, and I think that kind of sets her off a bit as well, maybe. Yeah, sure. 
Um, Maybe. But in the end, I, I think because of her sort of attitude of just like, no, nah, I don't want this and walks out, uh, I think she is well equipped. I think eventually she would have made it in some sort of entertainment yeah. uh, industry. She wasn't going to be a maid forever. No. Yeah. No, no. So I, yeah, I think she struggled. She took a long, hard road to get to wherever she eventually got to. Yeah. But I think she, quote unquote, made it eventually. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And she became Angela Featherstone, changed her name. Yep. And moved to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and then worked on a Seinfeld sitcom. So it was like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who are we talking about next? Uh, let's talk about, uh, even though he'll, we'll eventually do him in a What's the Deal, we'll just talk about Kruger in this episode. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't get his acting credits. Did okay, I've got him. So yeah, cool. Kruger was played by Daniel uh, Von Bargen, who unfortunately passed away in 2015. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's acted in a bunch of film, stage, and television uh, pieces. Pieces? Yeah, that's the right word. Yep. Oh, I got locked out of my office again. Yep. Oh, I guess I'm going home. (laughs) I guess I'll go home. Yeah, so... (laughs) That's that's probably his best line. Yeah. I guess I'll go home. (laughs) Other other than Kruger on Seinfeld, he's also known for uh, Commander Edwin Spangler on Malcolm in the Middle and uh, Chief Grady in Super Troopers. He looks like he has one of those faces who you've seen many times in films and TV. You know, he's got one of those kind of distinct looks. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I just wanted to mention a bit about how he passed away because it is quite tragic and it is quite notable. Right. So, uh, in February 2012, he actually uh, shot himself in the temple. Oh, It was a suicide attempt. Um, I didn't know that. He he placed a phone call to a 9-11 operator Mm -hmm. and uh, a bunch of emergency crews and television crews were actually dispatched to his home, which was in Ohio at the time. Oh, God. at the time as well, he suffered from diabetes uh, and uh, he'd been living... He'd actually have a leg... He'd actually had a leg amputated. Yeah, because so, of diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and he was due to have a couple of toes removed uh, on his remaining four, uh, foot and he didn't want to sort of submit to that oh, surgery and go through man. that again. Uh, and How rough is that? Yeah. So, he passed away in 2015, not from another suicide attempt, um, but due to complications from diabetes. So, I think, uh, you know, given his... Mental unwellness, I'm sure he would have found peace in a, in a way. So, in a way, yeah. tragic end for a really talented actor. Indeed. That's all, that's that's sadder than uh, the actor who played Harold. Yeah. Harold and Manny, that was a really tragic life as well. Yeah. You know, growing up gay and yep. in that you know, country area and stuff. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Really sad. Yeah, no. Yeah, man, geez, rough. But yeah, when we do what's the deal with uh, Mr. Kruger, we'll uh, we'll dive a bit deeper into a bit him. deeper into him, and and we'll celebrate his career. For you sure. know, like positives. Yeah, in his a, career, a tribute for him for yeah, sure. Of course, indeed. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to highlight that to say that you know that that was his legacy. Yeah, but I just thought it noteworthy because it was you know such a tragic sort of last few years of his life. Yeah, of course. Considering he had such a good life, well, it, well, I don't know about his life, but he he left such a good acting legacy. He did, you know, certainly not just on Seinfeld, but other things as yep, well. Indeed, yeah. So I just wanted to mention that in this episode, uh, I, I I was trying to figure out why he's so obsessed with nicknames. It it must be just how he relates to people. Or yeah, something. he probably just, he probably just has nicknames of people where you know maybe he's not good with names like uh, first yeah. names, so he kind of like says instead of Stephen, hey S Bone, yeah, you know Ivan, hey I Bone. True. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, true. That's the way he does it. That's or just... maybe maybe he likes to have those kind of nicknames for like camaraderie. Okay. So maybe it's like, hey, like a team building Buster, exercise. hey, Rex, hey, Coco, hey, T-Burn. True. You know, it's like a team. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the Avengers. Yeah. It's kind of like the Avengers. <laughs> it's like they get random nicknames. Hey, Black Widow. You yeah. Know, yeah. Let's kick ass today. Yeah, that's you know true. I mean? Like a motivational team building. Yeah, you probably. Okay. That's probably No, doing. that's a fair take. Yeah. Yep. But I, I don't have any notes on Mr. Kruger. Oh, that's I okay. I was going to leave it till his What's the Deal. Yeah. But, yeah. I always like to touch on the characters in, in the episodes, yeah. even though they'll get their own What's the Deal eventually. Of course. Uh, next character we can talk about, Phone Guy number one. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, I didn't get his acting credits. Okay. Yeah. He was played by Samson E. Whipple. What a, what a cool name. And another, another sad bit of news oh, report. Oh, man, really? He passed away in 2002. Oh. I don't have any information about his death. Yeah, it's getting a bit morbid. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably you should talk about the positives. For sure. Indeed, yeah. Uh, so he, he was best remembered for uh, roles on Seven Days, uh, also in The Doors, Airheads, This is Spinal Tap, and The Rock. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice films. So good awesome. films. Yeah, little, good little filmography there. I, I liked his wit. I liked how Elaine said, you know, I could kill you and no one would notice. And she goes, you know, I'd kill you and no one would notice. Just straight away. Just straight away. He's very witty. Yeah. Witty yep. guy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's good. Uh, I, he seems a bit depressed. He seems a bit flat. Yeah. Um, and I think he cops a lot of shit. 
from smart-ass customers like Elaine. Who don't want the 646 number. Yep. <laughs> I love his line, how he, he's like, you know, so don't try and trap me with your, you know, with some sort of maze of circular logic. Oh, uh, yeah, I love yeah. that line. That's good. Maze yeah. of circular logic. Yeah, he was really good. I liked him, even though he's in one scene. Yeah. It's really good. I think he is quite alone as well, because I noticed on his hands he didn't have a wedding ring. No, because so. the second phone guy says that he went out for a job and never came back, so maybe something... I have a bit of a theory about that. Yeah. I think I think he was a bit lonely and lost and sort of just... He, he was in a rut. So, Elaine's inter- his interaction with Elaine, I think, prompted him Tipped to... Tipped him over the edge. No, I don't think something bad happened. I think he just... When he got home that day, when he finished work, or the next day maybe, he sold his stuff and he, he became a hobo. Road. No, he just hit the road. All he right. just went travelling. He just went, I don't like my life. Yeah. I don't want to work for the phone company. Elaine tip- well, the, the, the core four seem to have the habit of tipping people over the edge. Yep. People who are already mentally unbalanced. Yep. You know, all it takes is one comment from one of the core four and yep. they're over the edge. Yeah, that's true. So, okay, so nothing bad happened to him. No, he no, just no. I don't reassessed think he, his he life and- himself or anything no, like no, that. No, no, I think he just, I think it just made him realise, am I happy? Is this the life I want? Yeah. No and no. And Elaine tipped him over. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So he... That's a, I like that theory. He, he just That's a nice of, theory. Yeah. He just sort of quit his job, hit the road and went traveling. Yeah. And, you know, what, whatever happened, he <laughs> eventually found the life he wanted to. Good on Which him. was not dealing with shit customers by uh, installing phone numbers. 646 six numbers especially. Yeah, for sure. Good on him. Yeah. Awesome. So I think he, uh, he had a positive end. One of the rare ones for a Seinfeld <laughs> secondary. Indeed, yes. Uh, do you have any uh, notes for anyone else? Uh, yeah. I've got Watkins, aka the actual T-Bone, yep. uh, played by Damon Jones. Uh, I love his acting credits. Appeared in the Melissa McCarthy summer blockbuster, The Boss, and he's also appeared in 16 episodes of the most recent revival of the Looney Tunes show. Oh, wow. He voices characters such as Marvin the Martian and oh. Foghorn Leghorn. Okay. Yeah, in the it's revival. Cool that he's a voice actor. Yeah, it's awesome. I think Watkins, you know, he's just one of the team, you know. He's, yep. I think he's one of Kruger's favourites. He's an accountant. Yeah, he's an accountant, yep. yeah. And, uh, you know, he loves being called T-Bone until George... Becomes all monkey-like and you know yells at him and stuff. And I'm sorry I said that about your wife. Please yep. accept my apologies. It's fine. It's fine. He's, it's like, fine. he's very forgiving too. Yeah. You know, if he, he mentions George insults his wife, mm. and usually it's not like you probably get punched someone him. that quick. Exactly. But he's like, ah, oh, live and let live. You know? Yeah. Fine. And it seemed to me like T Bone originally he liked it, but then. He kind of got over it. He's like, mm. oh, T-Bone, I don't care if you want to have T-Bone. Yeah, I don't you think know? he, uh, you know, he puts much meaning into the nickname. No. Like, I don't think he tries to set up a nickname for himself like George. No, like George He just, did, he, just yeah. he just rolls with the punches and he's like, of okay, course. I'm T-Bone. Cool, I'm T-Bone today. Yeah, that's it. Next day, I'm not T-Bone. Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Indeed. Um, I got the impression that maybe he's a bit of a corporate guy. I think he works some, like, long hours and yeah. he sort of parties hard. Yep. No, he grinds. Yeah. Even yeah. though, yep. I can't remember the name. Is it Kruger Industries? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the, the, the type of company it is that George works for in season nine, but it's not a finance company, but because he is an accountant, I'm sure he has a lot of mates in finance. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah. you know, he works long hours, but then he goes out and probably, you know, does a little, does a few bags of blow. Oh, who knows? He's you know? one of those people. Yeah, like just a typical corporate New York guy, you know, you works know, hard and plays hard. Sniffs blow off like some prostitute's bum or something. Maybe, you know? maybe. Yeah, a bit of Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. You know, employs a few maids. That's him. Yeah, <laughs> in French outfits. In French outfits. Indeed, yes. Uh, uh, I reckon we should take... Oh, you were going to say something about t No, 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 no. We should take a break. Oh, yeah. We'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about some more secondary characters because there's still a few more. Sounds good. You're Steinfeld? Yeah. My name is Maxwell. I'm from Made to Order. It's a pun. I sent one of my girls over to your place. Cindy. She says she had a little problem with you. You didn't pay. You know, she didn't really do what she was supposed to do. Oh, yeah? She told me what you like. You're a little sicky, aren't you? Disinfectant on the blinds, vacuuming the couch. Hey, hey, come on, come on. I gotta live around here. You know what I do to people who stiff me on a job? What? Well, it kind of depends on the situation. But if I don't get my money from you, I'm gonna get it from her. I, I don't want any trouble. You want the money here? Hey, 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 whoa, whoa. Give it to the girl. I'm an independent contractor. Tax purposes. This is Bidwabask, and we're talking about, from Season 9, Episode 19 of that season, The Maid and its secondary characters. And uh, we got some more characters to talk about, so uh, we've had talked about quite a few already, Steve. Yeah, we have. There's quite a few in this episode. Yeah, we got some more. So uh, let's go with Maxwell, The Maid Pimp. Played by Anthony Cravello, he's known for appearing in the acclaimed miniseries Feud, alongside Susan Sarandon and Jessica Lange, uh, as well as episodes of Law & Order, Star Trek Voyager, and Frasier. Yep. In one episode each. Yes, and he also 
also won a Tony Award in 1993 for the Best Supporting Actor uh, in a Musical. Fabulous. So another another gifted theatre actor. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, there Very seems good. to be a lot of crossover with theatre and, and uh, Seinfeld secondaries and, and The Core Four, and, Jason uh, Alexander. And I have actually looked at his credits, and he has been in other kind of mafia-inspired movies as yeah, well. Like, he's, he's definitely like a mafia I think he's guy. like Italian-American. He sounds like it, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and he's got that look about well. him. Yeah, he does. He'd be he does perfect. look like a bit of a badass. A bit of a badass mafia, yep. like a, an enforcer or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like for sure, one. yeah. Um, it's it's really interesting. I love how they they do the parallels between like maid services and prostitution. Yeah, you know what I mean. And he's you know when you he picks make up some money. Yeah, he's like with Kramer. You want to you want to make some money? Yep. Do you he know lost. how to use a mup ringer? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I do like him a lot. It's a it's a good parallel. Yeah. You know, it's nice. I noticed as well. It's a really subtle thing, but he calls Jerry Steinfeld. Steinfeld. When yeah. he goes up to his car, he's, he's like, like, "Hey, you Steinfeld." You Steinfeld. Yeah. And he's like, "Look, I don't want any trouble. Here's the money. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. Give it to the girl. I'm an independent." contractor tax purposes <laughs> yeah that's one of my favorite lines he reminds me of fat joe from the simpsons uh fat tony oh fat tony sorry yeah. fat joe. i was thinking of <laughs> you mean joe Quimby? i was thinking of the rapper oh fat, fat joe, joe. But yeah 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 <laughs> sorry yeah. fat tony he yeah. kind of reminded me of fat tony when he yeah. talked about that yeah yeah he's like yeah <laughs> tax purposes yeah i could imagine uh yeah. uh fat tony it's legitimate business yeah the legitimate yeah. businessman's club. Yeah, the legitimate businessman's club. Yeah. I'm an independent contractor. <laughs> an independent contractor. Tax purposes. Tax purposes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's a truck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so he, I don't think he owns the maid service. I think he's kind of like the debt collector or right. maybe kind of like, well, he's meant to be like a pimp. Mm. But, you know, he probably manages, maybe manages the maids or maybe he manages the finances. He might be like the ops manager or something like maybe, that. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, because he... Yeah, I mean, if he if he doesn't own it, he's definitely like the yeah the debt collector slash muscle, um, you know, obviously a muscle joke. Man, yeah, um, very sinister kind of guy though. Yeah, he's but def- he got a soft spot too. He's a bit creepy because Jerry's like, what what happens, you know? And he goes, oh, depends it depends on the situation. I love that. Yeah, he builds up this threat, and you think he's gonna, you know, he's gonna detail gonna this like horrible, put you in concrete boots or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. and he's like, oh, it depends on the situation. Oh, and Jerry's like, okay, okay, <laughs> sounds reasonable. Sounds reasonable. Here's the money. Here's the like money. it's such an anticlimactic yeah, scene, yeah. but I guess that's the point. And even when he leaves, Jerry's like. Like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, he's just like, what? like what? what was that? What was that? Yeah. yeah. Even he acknowledges, like, why did this guy approach me in this way and why did he <laughs> say all that? It's definitely a season nine thing. Yeah. You know, like, it wouldn't have worked in early seasons. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah, I guess yeah. that probably him being like a pimp slash enforcer, uh, enforcer slash for a loan shark serv- slash. Yeah, for a maid know. service is probably the wackiest most season nine part of this episode. Do you think he used to be involved in crime? Like, maybe he was uh, no. part of the mafia. No, no, he's just... No. Or maybe he's watched too many mafia movies and he's inspired. No, yeah. he's or he's just the way he is. I think that's just the joke. Yeah, it's that, yeah. like, he's this serious debt collector, but he, he just... All he does is represent maids and make sure they get paid. Yeah, that's like, right. Like, you know, he's, he's a dangerous stereotype working for an industry that is not dangerous or associated yeah. with crime at all. Yeah. You know, that's the joke, I guess. Of course. Yeah. So, I... Well, in a slight contradiction to that, like, you're saying that he has a bit of a soft spot... I think he does take a bit of, like, he does take advantage of the maid stuff he represents. And I think he underpays them because he's paying. Yeah, he takes a cut. Yeah. A nice cut. He's paying Cindy. Well, Cindy's charging, getting paid 40 bucks for a full service. And she does laundry. And, uh,. George's maid, you know when they're 60. in the diner, fifty or sixty? No, sixty. Is it sixty? But she doesn't do the laundry, and she, and doesn't, she doesn't give him anything. He yeah, gives him nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's not that's not really part of the the contract. But no, indeed. Yeah, it's like so either George is getting overcharged, and I don't think George would get overcharged because I think he would find the cheapest quote he can because yeah. he's such a stingy guy. Yeah. So I think he's underpaying his staff. I think he's underpaying Cindy yeah, I think so too. and the other maids he represents, including Coco. Mm-hmm, including Coco. Yeah. And I think he finds, you know, because he finds Kramer and he realizes that Kramer's a bit lost and a bit down and out in the moment. And he's like, ooh, I can take advantage of uh, this person. So I reckon he, he finds, you know, women or whoever to do the, the maid jobs who are a bit down and out on their luck, a bit lost. Yeah, like Cindy. And takes a, yeah, takes yeah. advantage. I reckon she, you know, I could imagine their meeting maybe something like Kramer where. You know, she'd just gotten rejected, like the you know the the fifth rejection for an audition yeah, or something that's right. like that. And then he turns up and he's like, "Hey, you want to make some money?" Yeah, you know, sort of. Yeah. He, he can sense that they're you know down and out on that. Yeah, luck. yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, so he's a good recruiter as well. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, he's very effective. In the, even though he's a bit of a slime ball. Yeah, indeed. He's uh, yeah, he's very effective. Indeed. Uh, who else do you have notes on? Coco Higgins, cool, played cool. by American actress, so she's not Jamaican. American, a Davinia McFadden, known for appearing in the film Double Jeopardy oh. from the nineties. Does yes. that have Michael Douglas in it? Uh, no, that had Ashley Judd and 
So Morgan Freeman? Okay. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Maybe. But it had Ashley Judd in it, I'm yep. pretty sure. Yep. So Coco Higgins was, well, she grew up in Jamaica. Yeah, that's right. Uh, she was raised by her gammy, who she loves gammy. very loves much. very much, yes. And she's very defensive and, of. And she's an immigrant who came to America and, you know, worked as a maid to yep. make ends meet. Yeah, for sure. Classic, classic story of, uh, you know, people emigrating from their less fortunate countries to America to make it. And, uh, you know, she could have been a skilled worker or a qualified, you know, like gone to university or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like a lot of, there's that cliche, it's like a cliched stereotype in movies and stuff where like a cab driver, you know, from, I don't know, Uzbekistan is actually like an engineer or something. Yeah, that's right. But because his qualifications don't count and in America, he's, he's got to be a cabbie or yeah, something unskilled. That's so right. maybe that's the case for her. It's probably you one know, of those maybe she's highly skilled or she's had a successful career or whatever back in Jamaica, but doesn't count for anything in the US. So she's got to clean people's houses. Yeah. Nice. But she's still proud and she's still defensive. She's a very strong woman. And she gets hired of director, oh, as director of acquisitions by yes, George yeah. just because of the name. <laughs> so she has no qualifications. I love Kruger when he's like, so, so you're you, hiring staff now? Yep. Works for me. He's just so, he's just so like... He's just so lax. He just he's doesn't like, care. He's like, whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what other characters do you have? <laughs> uh, I've got some notes on uh, Bobby. Yeah, me the too. The unseen yep. uh, grandson of Gammy. Yes. Uh, he's voiced by Thomas Decker in mm-hmm. an uncredited role. Yep. Uh, he's known for appearing in the 2010 adaptation of Nightmare on Elm Street, also the film Kaboom, and he was also in an acclaimed role in the high school drama Boston Legal. Okay. And he also played John Connor in the TV show Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Okay. Yes. Right. Oh. I never saw that series. I wanted to, though. Yeah. Because yeah. I love the Terminator universe. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to watch that, but yeah, I'll get around. And he was eventually. John Connor. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, cool. Uh, so he has a lazy eye. Yeah, and he does, yes. I got the sense that his parents don't pay a lot of attention to him because he wants Gammy's love. You know, maybe. Or maybe but, they just don't want to tell him about the death. Well, maybe I'm he'll not, be crushed. I'm not talking about that because, you know, he's like, Gammy, do you hate me because of my lazy eye? Like oh. he's, he's obviously a very neglected and insecure kid. Right, he's a He thinks that his yeah. own grandmother would hate him just because of something he can't help. Yeah, right. You know, maybe his parents have told him. Or maybe she was raised by his Gammy. Yeah. Maybe he's like Coco. Yeah, true. Yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. It's a parallel there with, with yeah. the real life Coco. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and But saying that, I think he's quite a uh, responsible and mindful little kid. He you is. know, the fact that he calls 911. I mean, do they ever mention his age? I'm guessing he's no. what, six or seven or eight, maybe? Probably. You know, quite a young kid. And the fact that he calls 911 when he knows that Gammy's in trouble. Smart, yeah. yeah, he's a smart kid. And he's a very responsible kid. So he is. Good on him. I like him. Good work, Bobby. Good work, Bobby. And then he grew up to fight the uh, cyborgs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to fight the robot, the T1000 machines. All those skills came in handy. Indeed. Sensing trouble. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, The only other notes I have are for Madeline, which is Kramer's unseen girlfriend in this. Yeah, cool. uh, she, You never hear her voice, so there's no voice credit for her. Yeah. No. Uh, she likes watching Quincy with Kramer. Yeah, that's which, right. Uh, that was is, an old TV show. Yeah, it's a medical mystery drama from uh, the late 70s and early 80s. Yep, that's right. Uh, she moves downtown. I think she's more of a, a city girl than, yep. a, than a suburb girl. Yep. Uh, and she broke up with Kramer because Kramer gives her a hard time about you know where she is and that she has to move back to Kramer's end of town. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I think she... The only thing I had about her, you know, additional to what is in the episode is that she prefers location over boyfriends. And she's one of a few unseen girlfriends of Kramer's. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's I can't remember any others. But one from the dog. That's true. Yeah. Remember yeah. the one he, he goes on the rant about and then he yep. goes, I'm sorry. I yeah. And you back. see her, you see him begging for forgiveness yeah, from her right. point of view. Yeah, that's, that's right. true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's all the uh, notes I have on any secondary characters. Yeah, me too. That was the maid. So uh, yeah, enjoyable episode. I actually liked it. Really good. Yeah, it was a good one. So out of our top episodes that we've done so far, or we've talked about, we've talked about 64 episodes. Mm-hmm. Where does the maid sit for you, man? It's a number 29. 29? So right in the middle. Man, for me, number 30. Okay. Cool. We didn't, we didn't like know our rankings. Lately. Yeah, we didn't know our rankings. Yeah, we rank them. Normally, we rank them, uh, you know, while we review the episode through the week, but we've yeah. just done them both yep. before we recorded. But we didn't know who what was going to be what. No. So there you go. Yeah. Yep. Number 30 for me. Yep. And if you want to know my top 10 episodes, just check the uh, episode notes. Yeah, me too. Yep. Do any of the secondaries from the maid appear in your top 10 or 20? Nope. How about you? No. No. And again, if you want to know my top 10, uh, just check the notes <laughs> as well as Ivan's. Indeed. Uh, do you have Seinfeldia out? Uh, Seinfeldia, I will grab it. But do you have any Seinfeldisms? Uh, I have one. You have one, yeah. Say it while I, while I get the trivia. Okay, yep. so it happened to me today. Uh-huh. Uh, as is always the case. Yeah, they always seem to happen last minute. It, it happened about three hours, four hours before we started recording. Yep. Uh, so I was doing notes for the episode and I was like, oh, I don't have any Seinfeldisms. And I was trying to rack my brain for something that maybe even happened a few weeks ago or in our break that I haven't included. Um, but, you know, the, the Seinfeld universe came through and I was w- listening to a, well, it was a vidcast. It was a video podcast yep. for NPR. 
Okay, and, yeah. And it was yep. about the history of credit card fraud in France. So, a very niche topic. Oh, indeed. Yeah. And uh, I can't even remember. Fraud le credit. Yeah, something they call like it, that. Don't they? Probably. Um, <laughs> le, le fraud. Le fraud le credit. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You can speak French. You just say <laughs> le and then swap the words around. Yeah. And, and then it's add fine. like it. Eat or yeah. <laughs> Apologize to our French listeners yeah. for our terrible accents. That's okay. You're all beautiful. Yes. Um, uh, and in there, they made reference to Seinfeld. He, like, uh, you know, like someone did an impersonation of Seinfeld on stage and he's like, what's the deal with credit card fraud in France? Oh. That was it. Cool. So it was like a, a really brief mention in a in a four minute podcast I listened to today. Lovely. It's amazing how it just the Seinfeldisms just happen. Yeah, they just incredible. the universe just provides. They're like, don't have any Seinfeldisms three hours before you're recording the podcast. Here you go. Yes. Like, thank you. I actually have a Seinfeldism too. It's yeah. another one because I was in the US recently. Yep. And they have this company of like truck rentals. It's kind of like U-Haul or you know like Hertz over here or Budget or something. Yep. It's called Penske. Oh wow. Yeah. Nice. It's like the Penske file. That's awesome. I was like Penske. Wow, okay. That's cool. really good. You got that Penske file? <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, okay. See. Working on that Penske file? Working on that Penske file. Yes, so today's trivia, we are recording on Tuesday, November 20th of 2018, and I just read it while you were doing Seinfeld. Was, man, this is an awesome one. Awesome. Yeah. By 2013, Seinfeld would become the most successful show ever in syndication. Networks buy reruns in packages sold in cycles. And Seinfeld was the first show in history to get a fifth cycle. Wow. Taking its rerun sales through to 2017. Huh. Nearly 20 years since its finale. As of 2014, it's still played in 90% of TV markets across America. On top affiliates such as WPIX in New York, KCOP in Los Angeles, and WCIU in Chicago. Wow. Wow. Five cycles yeah. since it finished. That's huge. Not bad. I'm guessing the cycles are four years long. Uh, it's five times four is 20 years. That takes it through to 2017. Something uh, like that. It doesn't say. It just okay. says packages. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Shitloads of money and uh, shitloads of free runs. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's the end of... Oh, unless you have anything else? No. No. Cool. That's the end of Bid Bobas for another week. Thank you so much for listening. And... Uh, if you are on Patreon, this is um, already out a week before, but if you're on the general feeds, you know, this comes out uh, a week later, yep. as we always do. Yep. And if you want to get early access to the episodes, you can go to our Patreon page and uh, pay for uh, any of the tiers and you get early access. That's right. And uh, we're also dropping, with the Chinese restaurant coming out in the general feeds, you know, this week, we're also dropping our Patreon exclusive episode one, uh, episode season 10, where we have a hypothetical season 10 of Seinfeld that we've written the plot for and... And, uh, we read it out to you. Yeah, that's right. So if you want to listen to the Season 10 uh, episodes from Episode 1 onwards, uh, head to our Patreon and uh, sign up. If you want to catch up on the last 20 years of what's happened or what we've uh, hypothesized what's, that's happened in the last 20 years, just check your feeds a few episodes back and uh, you can download. I believe it. we released it on November 1. It's called Episode 0, The Prologue. Yeah. And that fills in that 20-year gap between the end of the Season 9 uh, finale and uh, where we start in Season 10. And also on our Facebook page, we have our synopses for each character written down. So if that's you go to right. our Facebook page, you can read all about it. That's right. More so about. head to our Patreon for early release normal episodes and uh, access to our Season 10 episodes as well. Indeed. Next week, we are talking about the controversial episode, The Cigar Store Indian. Ooh. Yes. Lots so, to talk about there. Yeah, I know. I think it'll be a very meaty uh, meaty episode. Yeah. Yes. For sure. No reservations. <laughs> no, just kidding. Oh, you're uh, off your reservation. You're off the reservation. Oh, I sure am. Indeed. I don't know. No, I don't know. My name's Ivan. I'm or, Stephen. Or Ibone. Ibone. This is S-Bone. <laughs> this is S-Bone. Beautiful. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week for another episode.